you're a female founder of a tech startup, yet you still feel like an outsider? In a world that is run by Silicon Valley, how do we, women entrepreneurs, create the businesses that change the future while overcoming the barriers of the tech industry? This show cuts through it all and is your guide in exploring tech confidently as you become the best founder you can be. I'm Maxine Kramer, founder and CEO of Menenia, where we want you to own technology and change the world. We fast track bold and impactful women into the world of startups by making tech as simple as everyday English. This means no more overwhelming jargon and instead having the tech literacy to funnel your big ambition into a resounding success. This is Cutting Through Tech. Hello and welcome to Cutting Through Tech. I'm Maxime and today I have a fun little episode for you. Now it's September, uh, universally known as back to school month, at least here in Europe. So I thought we could use today's episode as a bit of a fresh perspective. I'm a coach and mentor for the University of Westminster's uh, Venture Accelerator program. And so I've been working closely with students and I meet with them every month. And I must say, it's been a real privilege to watch them craft away at their ideas, you know, building their startups, working on their entrepreneurship. And there's quite a few things I've learned that I'd love to share with you today because as we get older, it becomes easier to overcomplicate things, right? You see possibilities, you see issues, problems, and there are specific ways of working, especially if you've been in corporate for a little bit, right? There are proposals, there are drafts to be written up, there are reviews, there are iteration processes. Everything takes so much time and effort and energy. And sometimes, at least I wonder, what's the essential part here actually? What is it that really needs to get done to propel us forward? And how much of this is buffer, excess, safety, security, you know, all of these measures we've put into place because quite frankly, if you're thinking about corporates, just to avoid lawsuits, right? And it's that energy, that youthful, exuberant energy of getting things done that is the real spirit of today's episode. Because, you know, when I talk to the students, they obviously they look up to the experienced people who have, you know, years under their belt, who know how the world works a bit more and how business is done and how tech is done and all that kind of stuff. And so they are very, very eager to learn. But I think there's actually a lot that we can learn from them too. And so I've gone over my notes of the past 18 months and really distilled down four main takeaways that I think are worth reminding ourselves of. No matter where you are in your journey, no matter what age you are, um, but just a level of craftiness that I think can inspire us. So with that said, let's start with the first one. Frugality, right? We all remember as a student, being young, being frugal, that's where it's at. Here in the UK, we had a pound a pint, which means, you know, one pound for a pint of beer. I wasn't a big beer drinker, but it was definitely student night when that was on and everyone would be there. And so how do you translate that to, to tech? Because... You know, it's one thing to get student discount on clothing. It's another to get cheap alcohol. But <laughs> how do you do that when it comes to developing an app or a product or a service? 
One of my my students, she she does something really clever. So throughout this episode, I'll make their business ideas very generic um, because obviously that's theirs and, and I won't share that in great detail. But what she does is um, she has access to speciality foods, uh, cooked foods, and so people can order this food through her. A bit like, um, you know, a DoorDash or something, but a lot more specific, let me put it that way. And how did she get started? Because, you know, she didn't have a marketplace uh, right off the bat and she's from a non-technical background, so she hasn't developed it herself. And so when we started working together, she said, oh, I've just been doing it through WhatsApp. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, you know, people know me in the community and I've been advertising and marketing quite hard and I've got relationships with chefs, which I'll get to in a second. And, you know, people can just order what they want through WhatsApp and then I arrange it with the courier and it will get sorted. Now, I think that's just genius. Is it more work? Absolutely. But I suppose students have got a bit more time on their hands. But it just goes to show that if you're willing to go the extra mile, you can get a lot done without needing to employ large amounts of tech straight away or spend lots and lots of money. So several months on now, she's been doing this for over a year through through WhatsApp while she works on building out the platform. And I just think that is such an inspirational way to, to go about it. Things you might want to think about if, um, you know, having a WhatsApp group or a WhatsApp sales platform is a bit too much is that, for example, sites like Typeform now also have incorporated payment. So you can hook up your Typeform to Stripe and if there is a um, select set of things that people can purchase, you could just send them to that kind of form where they fill out all their details, they give you their address and they pay for the goods, they select what they want and Bob's your uncle. And then, you know, you've got Zapier where you could then connect that with any other things that need to happen in the business, whether that's you getting an alert or sending it over to another person in the supply chain. You know, whatever it is, there are ways to automate bits and bobs of this. But if you want to go the whole route, you know, you could also just get an assistant and work with them to do it manually. There are many businesses that actually started out with a manual process that they then over time basically digitize for scale. And so I think it's worth reminding ourselves of that. That's acceptable at any stage, right? You do not have to be a student (laughs) to do that. Which leads me to the second point, which is the importance of building relationships. In this case, my student, she's building a marketplace and we can easily think of, for example, an Uber where there are a mass amount of drivers and there are mass amounts of people that want to be transported and you are the vehicle that puts the two in touch. But if you dial that back to the beginning, what do a few trusted suppliers look like? Because effectively, you are a steward on behalf of your customer both ways. You bring customers to these suppliers and you bring these suppliers to your customers. And so much of that can be done with personal relationships to start with. It does not need to be a super fancy platform because every small business is looking to grow, is looking to find more ways of reaching people with their beautiful product, whether that's food or anything else. And another student of mine as well uh, works on a AR assistant technology 
And he's done the same thing. He's approached local cafes, built a relationship with them, and as such, also managed to get his initial product off the ground very, very easily. All that to say that the relationship elements sometimes can get lost in the fancy, cool tech concept. But ultimately, it's so essential for providing the right service and the right outcome for all users of your platform. And developing these relationships doesn't actually require a lot of tech to begin with. Which kind of leads me to point three, which is move before you're ready. As I mentioned in the intro, we sometimes have a tendency to overcomplicate things and as such feel like we have to be ready before we start talking to buyers, uh, especially partners. And really, we don't. It's quite common to reach out assess interest, demo a concept or an idea, and start working with partners as soon as possible. All three of the students I coach have actually done this, uh, whether that's with prototypes or, like I mentioned, WhatsApp groups. It doesn't really matter. Either way, the suppliers are extremely happy to have someone on their side who are looking at the problems that they face and are looking for creative ways of solving them. Similarly, for users, um, you know, apparently people are very happy to order these specialty foods over WhatsApp. They don't necessarily need a fancy platform. Would it make things easier? Absolutely. But it's not stopping them from being her customer. Similarly, uh, my other student who, who was working on this AR assistant has uh, launched his product a few months ago and um, basically was in the park all day. <laughs> asking people to download the app and to use it to order um, order a coffee and people were really really happy to do so they love trying out new things they loved being able to be part of that feedback process and still people use it when they come to the park every day so whilst it is small in scale because it's a starting point and it should be you know waiting for it to be perfect is is never going to work and we all know this, you know, I'm not telling you anything new here necessarily, but I do think we can frequently be reminded of this. It's very easy to get stuck in our own heads. And especially as you feel like the stakes are getting higher and higher, it becomes more difficult to take these kind of, I don't know, risks almost. Um, but oftentimes they can totally pan out. Which brings me to my last point about when things pan out or don't pan out, either way, you want to always be learning. And I know this is um, toted around a lot in the entrepreneurship space, you know, quotes on LinkedIn and Instagram and, you know, failure is fine as long as we learn. But I do think there's something about the energy in which we approach that. So firstly, thinking about my student in the park, you know, he's there every weekend looking at people using the app, you know, having um, signs up with questionnaires about, hey, fill out the survey, give me some more information if you'd like. He's helping people install it. He's observing them using it and is furiously jotting down all the notes that he can so that he can continuously make his product better. And I think that level of hands-on dedication will go such a long way in improving products and being close to the process and your customer. 
But what I really want to dissect behind that is the the energy, because I think we're always looking closely at how we can do things better. Uh, we're always looking to learn. But the question is, does it come from a place of curiosity or does it come from a place of punishment? Um, which is a harsh word to use, but we may not want to admit this out loud, but oftentimes it's very easy to fall into the trap of waiting for us to mess things up and then whilst we learn from it, equally also put it into a little bag of, hey, look, this is the bag full of things that you did wrong. And whenever we're having a bad day, (laughs) that bag comes out and we sift through everything in there and just, you know, love to wallow in that feeling and that fact of, look, you didn't always get things right. And that's really not the energy that you want to have around you. Even though it's so easy, it's so normal for all of us to do this. When I talk to students and when I see them with this level of eagerness and curiosity, where every stumble becomes interesting, then it completely changes how I look at how I've done things. And while I see quotes fly around social media, it isn't until I think back to how I was like when I was younger that I can really resonate with and embody that level of energy of eager curiosity. And let me tell you, it is such a good antidote (laughs) to all the other feelings that come with having your own business and working on your own startup. So always be learning, but with a massive asterisk on, you know, the feeling that you embody whilst doing so. So there you have it, four takeaways and examples around frugality, craftiness, the importance of building relationships and moving before you're ready, and then the kind of energetic mindset that you have around learning as you go along. I, for one, am very excited for the new school year and continuing to work with these students. And I would love to hear from you. What energy are you bringing into these last few months of 2021? What projects are you working on? What are you looking to complete? And what energy are you bringing to get that done? Here at Menenia, we are doing a whole host of projects between the podcast, the Investment Impact Series, which if you've not been tuning in for those, they drop every single Thursday. And the consultancy projects are ramping up fast over here. So if you want to talk through strategy and are wondering how to use technology in your business to scale or how to hire the right team to get things done, then reach out. I'm on maxime at cuttingthroughtech.com. For now, have a lovely day and I will see you on Thursday with another episode on the Investment Impact Series, where we look at why women entrepreneurs are just getting 2.3% of the funding, which, you know, we definitely need to change. Have a good one and see you next time. 